You're listening to the English Ministry Podcast of Chinese Christian Church Thousand Oaks. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more at english.cccto.org. 3,400 years ago. That's a long time, obviously. And it might seem too far to really have any relevance in our lives. But I want us to know that as we look at the scriptures today, it has extreme relevance in any place in our life where we have battle. And though you may not know it, all of us are in battle. But some of us already truly know that we are in battle. We feel it. We feel the battles that we face today. We know the opponents that we have today. We know the issues that we are arguing or that we have conflicts over today. And we know the places of those battles. I want you just to take a minute and just share with somebody around you and answer these questions. Any one of them or all of them if you have time. But where do people face battles today? And and who do people battle with? And, And what are issues that people battle about? And where do they battle? Okay, so so take a minute now and just share with each other um, answers to those questions. Ready? Go. Okay, there's about a minute. Um, So who, who, if you if you if you can share, who are some people um, that we might have battle with? Anybody want to just have courage and say it? Just say it out loud. Who, Eddie? Okay, so politics. So we we okay. So that. Who else might we have battle with? Family. Okay. Who else might we have battle with? The devil? Who else might we have battle with? And other drivers, okay? All right. Okay, so we basically have battles in different places, and and I also put we have battles with our friends, right? We have battle uh, with our family, as was said, with our moms and our dads. We have battles with our brothers, our sisters. Uh, We have battles with our children. Now, what are some issues that we battle over? Right or wrong? Just generally, right? What else? What do we battle over? Values, Values, right? What else? Money. Money. That's I have that one. What else? Stress, Stress, right? We battle over the different things that we we have difficulties in our lives that that challenge us. Um, I put also that we battle over issues like education. We battle over issues of careers, like what should we do? And some of those battles aren't just with other people. I want us to think today, a lot of these battles are within us. And so we have battles within ourselves. And that's one place where we have battles. But where else outwardly do we have battles? Where, where are places that we have battles? Where are the battlefields of our lives? Home, right? If we're honest, we've all had it there. Where else? School, workplace, right? 
our dorm mates. Where else, Sharon? In our own flesh, right, within ourselves, right? And, and there's one place that I also put, just to be honest, we have battles in the church, right? We have battles in the church. And we studied that today in 2 Timothy in our Sunday school class, that there are battles in the church with people. And we have sometimes we just argue over words. We, we argue over different things. Um, and we have battles that deal with so many other things of our lives. And, and, you know, so we live in this country and we think, well, you know, there's no war that is particularly affecting us today that we can think of. You know, always the war on terrorism, you know, always other areas of war that we are kind of involved with. We still hear in the Middle East. Um, but there are war that are within us. So I want you to think of those places where battles make you feel angry. Or where you've been in a battle and you feel hurt. Or you're in a battle and it's not over yet and you feel sorrow. And you feel pain. Because if you are willing to acknowledge these things now, then as we go into the scriptures, I know you will find God's help in his word. There are also places that we battle that are part of everyone's life eventually, if not right now. And that is in our physical bodies. We, we have physical health issues that we battle with. Um, we have emotional issues that are part of our, our, our reality, of our human soul and our spirit. And last week, as we had the mental health seminar, we certainly have battles for mental health. And many people have that battle in mental illness. And so there are battles raging everywhere and if you can identify those that are within yourselves today, then you will be able to see God's word applied directly to it. Because the battles that we read about here that, that Joshua and the Israelites fight are instructive to any current battles that we face or any future battles that we face. They deal with not just circumstances, but they deal with character. They deal not just with emotions, but they deal with physical choices that we make. And so God wants us to go into battle today. He wants us to go into battle in life with courage, with true courage. And in Joshua chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, if you'd open up your Bibles with me, Joshua 1, chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, and I'll read it. And so then once you have your Bibles open, you can keep your finger there because we'll be mostly in Joshua today. Joshua chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. And God is speaking, and he's speaking to Joshua. And Joshua is the successor of Moses. If you remember from our previous studies, Moses was not allowed to go into the promised land, but Joshua did. Joshua is now in the promised land. He is about to go into the first major battle. And the Bible says, as I was with Moses so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. So Joshua is receiving the promise that God had given to Abraham as we read about a couple weeks ago. God had given the promise to Abraham that he was going to lead them and his people into this land that would have a place and a home for God's people to grow so they could be witnesses to the world. 
And now Joshua has to go into this land, but there's going to be a battle. And for that battle, he's going to need courage, just like you and I need courage. And so the question is, where does courage come from? Where do we get courage? How does it begin in our lives? And it begins by knowing this. If you and I need courage, we need to remember this. It initiates by trusting God's word to us, which says, I will be with you. God will be with us. Right now, wherever you are in your battle, know this. God is with you. Now, that may be something that we sort of acknowledge in our minds, and, and it's sort of like the Sunday school answer, you know, like, where's God? Oh, he's with me, or he's in heaven. But we got to get beyond that, right? We have to bring it into our lives. We have to bring it into our consciousness. We have to bring it into our will. That God has says, I will be with you. And then he says to us, be courageous. He doesn't tell us to be courageous first. He promises that he will be with us in verse 5. And then because of that promise, he tells us, now you have to be something too. So courage comes from knowing that God will be with us, but courage also comes when we choose to be with God. We must choose to be, as God says to us, two things. Be strong, and that word strong means to hold on to, to seize, to fasten yourself upon. So to have courage means to hold on to God. And the word courageous means to be alert. It means to be aware of what is around you so that you are ready to turn to God in those circumstances. You recognize that your circumstances are something that though you may not be able to control, God can. And therefore, God tells us in whatever battle that we have, wherever we need courage, that he is with us. But we have a battle that we must not trust in our flesh, but we must have faith. And that faith is greater than our flesh. Faith begins by having the trust that God is with us because he says he is. It also has the choice of choosing to hold on to God and to be alert to our circumstances, to not deny them, but to acknowledge them. And then God says, from that point on, your courage can grow. Your faith can grow. Your courage can become deeper. Turn or read with me in Joshua 1. So I'm going to continue now in the second part of chapter, of verse 7. Chapter 1, verse 7. And Joshua 1, 7 says this. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you. And so we have this sandwich. So at the beginning of verse 5, we see that God says he will be with us. At the end of verse 9, God says, I'm going to be with you. And in between, he tells us to be strong and courageous. And now he tells us how to deepen that courage in our lives, how to grow in courage, how to grow in faith. 
And he says, for that to happen, we must be students of God's word. We must study it. We must read it. We must obey it. And he also says, we are to talk about it. We are to meditate and think about it carefully. And the word meditate means to gnaw on and to chew. And so God wants us to be serious students of his word. That's why we have the story. And that's why we're reading the story now. And if you don't have a copy of the story and you plan on being here um, on Sundays, please take one. Okay? Um, and therefore, you. And if you want to invite somebody and you plan to be here and you want to bring one to them, you can do that as well. So we have extra copies of the story. And again, the story is a condensed version. It's all Bible. It's all scripture, but it's a condensed version of the Bible in chronological order from Genesis to Revelation. And so there are 31 separate chapters in this book, the story, um, that cover Genesis to Revelation. And we're in chapter 7 now. Um, but God wants us to read. He wants us to study. He wants us to hear. And the whole purpose of this series is to allow us to understand God's work in the word of God as it begins in Genesis and his plans for eternity so that we would understand the whole story of scripture from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And so there are many ways that we can do this in our world today. You know, we have apps, we have computers, we still have the written word of God. Uh, we also have MP3 files. And so this is the one we're adding to the list for you to be able to enjoy. And so if you go onto our church website, um, you can listen to the whole chapter read to you. Okay? So it's me. It's my voice. Okay? <laughs> So I am um, recording it on MP3, and so you go onto our church website, you see it there, all right, and you go under sermons, you click sermons, and then this little page will open up, then you click down here, and you see it's already listed there for next week. Next week is chapter 8, A Few Good Men and Women, okay, and so you can listen to it, and I'm learning how to um, use uh, audio editing software, and I'm not very good at it, and so you'll still hear my mistakes, so, you know, so I'm human, um, but you will get the story read to you there, and you can listen to it while you're driving, um, and you can listen to it at other places, but it's the whole chapter that'll be read to you. And so, you know, if you would click on it and you listen to it during the week, we pray that that'll be a blessing to you. Um, if you don't do it by Wednesday, you can get a reminder through our church email that's sent out on Wednesday, and then on the MailChimp, on the left-hand side at the top, it'll say, stay connected with us. And then in there, you'll see, you know, don't, if you don't have, whoops. Which way am I going? If you don't have time to um, read it, it says, don't have time to read. You can now listen on the go. And then you can click there again to, uh, to listen to the chapter for next week. So we want you to be in God's word, right? This is what we're doing. This is why it's so important. And, and God, in speaking to the, to the Israelites, to Joshua, he says, I want you to read it carefully. I want you to read it carefully. And God says, not only will it make you strong, not only will it make you courageous, but it will make you prosperous, and it will make you successful. Now, many, many people misread that. And they interpret prosperity as having an easy life, 
They interpret success as getting whatever they want, their dreams. And that is not at all what it means. Prosperity here means walking closer to God. Prosperity here means doing what God would have you to do. Prosperity here means prosperous of soul and of spirit and of eternity. To be raising up my life in such a way that I'm learning to be able to put forward all of my rewards into heaven. And to living in such a way that even if I was a missionary and in prison, I could still be prosperous. And even if I am struggling with my finances and I never have enough money to pay off all my bills, I can still be a success. And so we must never read these words, okay, to think that God's word is telling us, if I just do what he tells me to do, I can get whatever I want. I can have my dreams. I can have my good job. I can have money in the bank, and I can have a happy life. Now, that was my definition of happiness. That was my definition of prosperity and success. But God's word, as we read it, defines and helps us to redefine prosperity and success and nothing more than battles cause us to do that so before I had battles before I had problems in life I thought prosperity and success was everything about the lower story everything about this life but once I went through trials and as I continued to go through trials I realized that prosperity and success has very little to do with measurable things of this world. And so, as you know, the story that Karen and I are going through with mental illness in our family is that because of the pain of mental illness that is in one of my children, and because Carol and I cannot minister to that child right now, that that pain led us to... I was sitting there with Carol, and we were, we were just hurting and we decided that we had to do something with that pain. And if we could not help our child right now, we could try to help other people. And so we began the process, as you know, and, and it's not something we did alone. You participated in it. And if you got the reports from last week, we had over 150 people here in, in our sanctuary the speakers were so well received and everybody seems to really like it. The number one complaint of, this, of the seminar was that it was too short. You know, no one's ever complained that my sermons are too short. Um, but they complained that the, the seminar was too short, right? And that was a really good thing, right? And, and then we had over 30 volunteers from our church serving, probably many more than that. Um, we had over 30 churches represented from Southern California. Where did it come from? Me? No. Carol? No. It came from God using our pain and our battles. And I want to say this, is that where you are experiencing battle is most likely where God wants to use you in ways you can't even begin to imagine. It's in the battles that we begin to realize how much more we need God it's in the battles when we need to turn to the word of God and realize that there are consequences for our actions. There is going to be judgment of our lives. There is grace, absolutely. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yet every man and woman will be judged by God. 
And God's going to judge us how we pursued life in this world and how we obeyed his word. The story goes that as Joshua and his, the people were going into the battle and they were supposed to take down Jericho. And if you remember the story, it's there to walk around it seven times on the seventh day and they were supposed to just shout out loud and the walls would come down. And it did. And God did this miracle because the people obeyed him and they obeyed his word. But if you look into Joshua 6 and Joshua 7, you'll see the story of one person who disobeyed God. Now, there's millions of Israelites there. And one person named Achan disobeyed God. And God had spoken to the people directly, and he had told them, you are to take this city, and the walls are going to come down, and when the walls come down, you go in, and you take everything, the gold, the articles of bronze, the iron, and you dedicate it to the Lord. Now, the Lord doesn't need it. Okay, the Lord doesn't need our money. So don't think God wanted the gold and the articles of silver and everything for his own, you know, be able to be richer. He didn't need that. He needed the people to realize that's not what's important. It belongs to God. It belongs to him. He's going to take care of it. You are not going to spend it. Just like a parent. They take care of the finances. They know what the children need. He'll give it to us when we need it. But they were not supposed to touch it. But Achan looked at it. And Achan thought, wow, you know, there's so much. And there's so many people who's going to see. So he took some. And then the Israelites went out in the battle and they lost the next one. Or at least they got routed in the next one. And they were just decimated by that. What happened? I mean, something so great. Jericho, the walls fell down. and We go into battle and, and our men get killed. What went wrong? And so Joshua hears from the Lord and the Lord says, Joshua, this is what went wrong. Somebody took some of the gold and silver and didn't obey. They took what they weren't supposed to. And that's why the nation is being disciplined. One person's sin caused pain for the whole country. They had to learn a lesson. And we have to learn the lesson too. They got serious about his word. And when he tells us to read the book of the law, he means it to read the book of the law and to study it and to know it. Well, Achan was punished with his own life. And the Israelites repented. It's interesting that it says that the Israelites repented, not Achan, but the whole country repented for this one man's sin. But then afterwards, afterwards, they now had an understanding of what they had to do. They made a recommitment. And the Bible says that afterwards, Joshua read all the words of the law. So he read much more, right, than what you would read in a week. Basically, the book of the law would be the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. He read all of it to the people. No MP3, he just read it, all right? I don't know how long that took, but he read it to the people. And the Bible says that he read the blessings and the curses, just as it is written in the book of the law. He read all of the book of the law. 
as an example to you and me to be people of the word of God. So number one true courage is about faith over flesh. And we gain and we grow in that courage as we read, we study, we obey, we know the book of the law, God's word. Well, the second thing that true courage is, it's a battle between wickedness and grace. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 20, you can turn there. Joshua chapter 6, verse 20, we read something. And, and this is, you know, when we've been studying this in our small group, and when we read these verses in our small group, we scratch our head and we go, wow, you know, um, what is God telling us here? This is hard, right? This is, this is some of the tough parts of the Old Testament. But in Joshua chapter 6, verse 20, it says, When the trumpet sounded, the people shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So every man charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it. Men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. And that's difficult. It's difficult. And, and as you look into, you know, people who have studied these scriptures and they were honest with it and they go, wow, you know, what is God telling Joshua to do? Um, there's different opinions. There's different research on it. Um, but one thing that we do know is that there's still Canaanites even after the people of the Israelites take over the land. And so it's still quite possible that God allowed for the Canaanites to live and that this is, in a way, sort of a hyperbole of how God worked in saying that I want you to take control over the whole city. At least that's, that's some um, historians and some scholars' point of view. But in any case, it's still very difficult because there were men and there were women and there were young and there were old and there were animals and they were slaughtered and they were killed. And this was part of what was happening. And it's, it's difficult. But at least one thing that we can take from this is that what seems brutal and harsh in the lower story, in other words, in what's happening in this world of sin, in this broken world, so what seems brutal and harsh in the lower story is a statement about God's justice and righteousness in his upper story. It helps us to understand the true nature of God and his holiness. It helps us to understand that God is great and that God wants us to live holy lives. Now, is God heartless and cruel? I think that's a difficult question that comes about as we read these scriptures. And, and why is there great judgment? Well, we need to also understand that God's been very patient with these people. It had been hundreds of years that these people had been living this way. They had not changed. Their behavior had become so evil. In Deuteronomy, it tells us that these people were burning their sons and daughters as fire sacrifices to their gods. And so we see that there was great evil that was happening in this world. There was great evil that God had to deal with as the Israelites were bringing in, hopefully they were supposed to bring in his presence and his righteousness to overcome that evil. God had been very patient. But now was a time of reckoning. Now was a time of judgment. And we read this as we read the Old Testament, and it, it causes us to realize that there is indeed a battle in this world. And it also tells us that we need to reckon with sin in our own lives. Sin always hurts. And one thing sin also does to us is it keeps us in the battle longer. And so the more that we give in to sin, the longer we'll be in the battle. And we know in our world that it's a dark place. 
And the way to victory in the darkness is the light. And one thing we also know, that even though there are certain things about wickedness that are difficult for us to fully fathom, there's one thing that we do fully fathom and understand, and that is grace. Because wherever there is judgment against wickedness in the Bible, there is always grace. It was worse before in Genesis when the whole world was so evil that the flood came, but God had grace. And he saw that there was one man in his family, Noah, who were righteous, and that God chose them to be the repopulators of the world after the flood. So this had happened before. But when God was bringing judgment here, not to the whole world, but to Jericho, there was still grace. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 22 and 23, it says this, Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, so two men had gone into Jericho, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And if you know the story in Jericho, when the spies went in, there was a lady named Rahab who was a prostitute who hid them, protected them, and asked for protection. She believed that God was who he said he was. She believed that their country needed judgment. She believed that judgment was coming, and she knew that the Israelites because of their God, would win. And so she asked them for protection. And so just as there was one righteous person in all the world, Noah, at the time of the flood, so was there at least one righteous person in all of Jericho named Rahab, whom God used to save their people. And that the Canaanite people in Rahab continued to live into the world as well. Well, the story doesn't end there because after Rahab was rescued and saved, she got married to a Jew and his name was Salmon. And they had a son and his name was Boaz. And Boaz had a son and his name was Obed. And Obed had a son and his name was Jesse. And Jesse had a son and his name was David. And David is King David. It is the line of David that our Savior comes from. And so we see here, even though there is great wickedness and there's great tragedy, there is amazing grace and great hope that God brings out of that city of Jericho one who would be one of the bloodline that led to Jesus. And that God wants us to know when we are in our battles to not be overcome by the guilt of our sin. Now, we must overcome the actions of it, but God would have us to know that there be no condemnation for us because, as it says in Romans 5, 20 and 21, let's read this out loud together. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So wherever there is sin... Wherever there is death, there is also grace so that there could be life. And not just any life, but eternal life. And so when we are pitted in our battles of wickedness against grace, and we are on the side of grace, run to Jesus. Run to God. Let your courage bring you to God.
to know that he forgives and to give you the strength to say no to sin. God wants us to have true courage and true courage will end up with a fruit. It will rise into fearless service. At the very end of our passages for this week, Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. Joshua is giving his farewell discourse to the people. He is, a, he is going towards the way of death now. And he says to the people, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Joshua is saying to fear the Lord and to serve the Lord. When we have a right fear of God, what happens is we will end up serving God fearlessly, as Joshua did. When we have a right fear of God and a right reverence for Him, it's not that we cower in fear and don't do anything. We are emboldened in knowing what a wonderful and gracious and awesome, reverent God we have. And we will bow down to Him and we will want to serve Him and we will know that we can go into our battles because He is with us. And we can go into our battles because He is giving us courage. And so Joshua is coming to his people and he's saying, I want you to fear God, but I want you to serve God. I want you to serve God fearlessly. And this word faithfulness, I want you to serve Him in all faithfulness. The NIV um, actually translates two words into one. So the two words are sincerity and truth. So in other versions of your Bible, it says serve him with sincerity and truth. And sincerity means integrity. And it comes from a word that means complete. And so when God says, I want you to serve me, I want you to have character. I want you to serve me with character that is sincere and complete. I want you to have a character that is full of integrity. Service is not just something we do for God. Okay, so I think that a lot of times when you hear this passage, um, your pastor might use it to say, we need Sunday school teachers now. Right? Or, or we need Awana teachers. Or uh, we need deacons. Or we need somebody to do something, basically. Okay, uh, but this passage means so much. It means that, but it means so much more than that. Okay, so it means so much more than that because it's not just talking about what we do. It's talking about who we are. See, God wants you and me to be a fearless servant of him in every place of our lives, not just on Sunday, not just on Tuesdays, not just on Fridays. He wants us to be a servant of God. This is who we are. He wants us to have integrity. And he wants us to have it permanently. Not just for the day, not just on Sunday, not just to look good, not just for an event, but for a lifetime. And so that word truth, that part of faithfulness, it, it means trustworthy. But it also comes from a word that means permanent. And so it means permanent trustworthiness. So to be one who serves God is to be one who is permanently trusting God. Who is permanently serving God in their heart. So we go back to where we began our sermon today to apply it personally. And let me ask you, you don't have to share this with anybody, but be honest with yourself. Where are you afraid because of a battle you face today?
Where is their fear? Where is there a place in your life where you feel like running away? You just want to get out. You just want to leave. That's a battle. Where is a place in your life where you just want to scream? Or maybe you're already screaming. Okay. That's where you're battling. Or maybe it's almost on the other end of the spectrum. Where are you so sad that your soul feels empty? That too is a battle. Where is there loneliness? Where is there discouragement? Where is there depression? So not just anger on one side, but sorrow on the other. Pain in general. Just where do you hurt? Because you hurt because you've been in a battle. And what God is saying to you is, I want you to have complete integrity. I don't want you to run away. I mean, do you grow stronger? Do I grow stronger? Do we grow stronger by leaving? By fleeing? Or by staying put? Do we grow stronger by getting away from the problem? Or by dealing with it? Do we grow stronger by giving up? Or by fighting on? Do we grow stronger by giving in? by standing firm. See, that's what service is about. Service is about who we are and how it plays out in our life. Um, the military has this commercial right now, and it says, you have a calling, we have an answer. You have a calling, we have an answer. They're calling people to recognize that calling to be ready for battle. And we can definitely take that into the Christian realm because we are in a spiritual battle. And whatever you may have answered, where are you afraid? Where do you want to run away? Where are you screaming? Where are you lonely? Where are you empty? Where do you hurt? Where are you depressed? Those are your battles. Those are also your callings. And God has the answer. And he calls us into relationship with him and he calls us into personal encounters with him. And he calls us to do it in community. For Joshua, as he comes to the end of his life, he says in Joshua 24, 15, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, and I hope that's not true for any of us here, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Can you say that? Will you say that? We will not give up. We will serve the Lord. We, community, not just I, but we. Very little happens in a big way with I. Great things happen with we. And we, as a church, can do great things for God when we deal with our battles and we face our enemies and we don't run away. 
I read something else this week that was for myself. And it said, the first person the pastor needs to preach to is himself. And this is a challenge for me, as I know it is for you. For we all are facing a battle. But we have each other. But most of all, we have our God, whose name is Jesus, and who fights with us and has already won the battles. Let us pray.